at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, four days of total stress after losing a basketball game week. Well, I guess it depends on what you think of our resume now, because you might be in total stress mode, or you might just be resigned as not making it, Dan. That's actually where I am. I, I have very, very low expectations about making the tournament. And usually I'm pretty optimistic. I just I just don't think we have I just don't think we have the big time wins uh, necessary. Where a lot of the other bubble teams, while maybe not as good in the uh, RPI and other metrics, many of which are dumb, um, they just have like more signature wins to point to. Um, so yeah, I I would be very surprised on Sunday uh, if Syracuse made it personally. Um, I think at, the, at this point, if they do, I'll be very pleasantly surprised. But I, I'm kind of, like you said, resigned to uh, to that not being the case, and and just going to move on to see what you know the rest of the field looks like. Yeah, I mean, I at this point, I don't think I like expect us to make it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we did. I think a lot, a lot's really riding on just how much this quadrant thing becomes like. I think everyone's kind of viewing it as the end-all, be-all, but in reality, like, there's definitely some middle ground where it's going to be a large part of the conversation, but I wouldn't say the only part. I know we saw, like, in that top 16 that was released um, last month, it seemed like they went by total number of, uh, you know, Quadrant 1 wins versus who they were, um, and if that happens again, I think we're definitely out. Um, if they actually change things up based on the quality of those wins... Um, I think we stand a much better chance. Uh, but yeah, th- th- this is still a, a very random and, and very uh, subjective process that you know it is never going to be nailed down. And as much as it sounds great to just have AI in all this, I also think that would be a terrible way to do things. Especially if the AI is going to be like focused on RPI and whatever. But like you said, like this changes from year to year. We see certain years where the committee will come up with with a narrative to fit you know their decision on one bubble team versus another, and it's never super consistent. And that's why there is uh, intrigue uh, on Selection Sunday versus like just punching in some numbers and knowing who needs what. So um, overall, like I don't know. I just hope. I hope as a fan base, like we're not too worked up uh, if on Sunday we don't make it because, like honestly, we had a lot of opportunities. We could have swept Wake Forest or swept BC or um, gotten like a big win over UNC or won that close one against Virginia beat or not Notre lost another thing. Beat Notre Dame when their two best players were out or beat St. Bonaventure. Like there were just numerous things where, like, I don't know if like one extra win over Wake Forest would have put us over the edge, but I'd feel a lot better about it. Um, and it's like this isn't a, this isn't like a, a case where we're going in feeling pretty good about things and we're gonna have it like pulled out from under us. Like if we don't make it, I'm going to have a very hard time uh, blaming the committee, even if there's like one team where you can like look at our RPI being 30 points higher or our uh, quadrant three 
wins being better than theirs or whatever. So it's it's just like I've watched this team every game this year, and it doesn't super feel like a tournament team to me. And I what you know had my expectations were pretty much exactly this heading into the year. So um, I really hope we make it. I I will be very very pleasantly surprised if we do, but I'm not going to get super upset if we don't because like this team left a lot on the table. And was a super. I mean, we've talked about it all year. It, it was a very flawed roster that that at some points overachieved, and at other points, like was revealed for how flawed it was. Uh, whenever it played like super high level competition, like it, it fared pretty well against like the second tier competition. But when it was, you know, playing against a very a very good defending national championship UNC team or uh, Duke or Virginia, like it just could not quite get over the hump. And one of those wins would have put them in, I think, uh, including last night. But overall, they they just didn't quite get there. So we'll see. Um, I, I, again, I hope I hope we can sneak in somehow, and I, and I think we'll, we'll draw some results from today. That a lot of which actually helped um, Syracuse's case, which uh, has all day I've been getting like messages about like, oh, how about the Alabama win? You know that uh, could. Uh, you know, t- uh, take up a spot, or how about the, you know, Kansas stopped through to Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State after it looked shaky for a while, so Oklahoma State could be out. So, like, every every game this afternoon was, like, trying to pull me back in, but uh, overall I've been pretty much at the same place uh, throughout, you know, since last night leaving the Barclays Center. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be very curious to hear if the committee, like, explains. I know last year they did a bit. If they explain why Syracuse in particular is out. Um, not because like I'd be mad about it, more just because I would just want to know like what it was. I think this year um, there were a ton of near misses, more than usual. Um, like you said, I think this wasn't necessarily a tournament team on paper, but they were able to rise to that occasion. Um, at times, I, I think, well, like you said, this team is exactly what we thought it was. But at the same time, like I think they because of, of what seemed like a very flawed bubble this year and a lot of weird resumes and a lot of uh, kind of unfamiliarity with what the committee kind of said were going to be their terms um, for who gets in or not, like th- that's kind of where my optimism comes from, um, at least. Um, we can kind of run down like some of these results. I do think like looking at a lot of these teams and right now Miami's really given North Carolina a dogfight and I think that that might actually help us. Um, because if Miami can get that win, that's only going to improve the quality of that for us and improve the quality of that as a road victory. Um, I do think we actually own a lot better quality wins, not in terms of pure volume, but in terms of who they are and where they were um, than a bunch of these teams. Like, you know, like Louisville, I don't really know anymore. K-State, like K-State doesn't have the computer numbers, but they do have the quality wins. The Big 12, and you and I have talked about others have too, like, the Big 12 is kind of, by design, um, you know, supposed to be an RPI inflator, and it, it did just that this year um, with, with a whole bunch of teams that are being considered for births. But you look around at the resumes and you look at, like, the raw numbers, like, they're all pretty flawed, like Texas, Baylor, K-State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, like, that whole gaggle of teams seem, uh, just none of them really seem like tournament teams, and the numbers really don't indicate it. It's it's all based on you know a handful of quality wins they were going to get automatically because of the league they're in. Yeah, I mean the the Big Twelve is, is a weird thing because like there is talk of like nine of those teams getting in, but you look and even Kansas who you know could get a one seed, like it's it's not a, a vintage Kansas team, and none of the teams below them really blow you away. Like it just seems like a lot of teams that be like okay they're like an eight. 
Um, so it isn't like, you know, this, 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 uh, like in years past, we've had like years where Kansas was a one and then Oklahoma was a two and Texas was a four. And like the big 12 had, you know, half the league was like a re was really, really solid this year. It's Kansas and West Virginia is pretty good. And there's like some other decent teams, but beyond like a two or three, they just don't blow you away. So, so it really is like this big group of mediocrity and you don't truly know if, all these teams are like really solid or if they're all just kind of uh, propping each other up, like you said, via like how the RPI works, which is, it's not exactly uh, the most advanced math of all time. No. And I mean, the PAC 12 used to do this too for a couple of years, like where they figured out how to game the system and, and, and the league looked pretty similar where, you know, you saw in Arizona and like a UCLA sometimes up at the top and then everybody else was able to kind of hang on through just like attrition um, in the league and, you know, the ACC not being as balanced as those two leagues, obviously you can't just bank on that. Um, if I'm looking at these resumes, um, I mean, I think Louisville and us are at parity. I think K-State we're probably pretty even with. Maybe they have a slight advantage. They have maybe like one or two bigger wins. Um, I think Alabama, despite the fact that they have a worse record than us, I think they're in just because they beat Texas A&M three times, and A&M's like a four or five seed. Um, I think OK State is... I think if they'd beaten Kansas State, they'd be sh- surely in if because they didn't pull that off. Um, I think their quality of wins are great, but I don't necessarily know if they, they can, if they can separate themselves from some really bad computer numbers. And then UCLA, like, they've got quality wins over Arizona and Kentucky, and I think they're both away from home, if memory serves. Um, I'll stop the list there for now, but um, if I had to guess which of these teams are ahead of us, I'd say Alabama and UCLA only right now. Like, like certainly ahead of us. Yeah, and this is where it's going to be. It's, a, it's kind of a mess. Um, there's just so many teams that are all kind of in this big group, and the bubble um, you know, I think we call it a weak bubble almost every year now. I think the bubble just is inherently weak because we would spend in the tournament, and and there's just uh, a lot there's a lot less differentiation between a lot of these teams. But I think the bubble is just bigger this year. Like it just seems like there are so many teams that are bunched up. Um, I mean, you just named rolled off like sits of them, um, and it's really hard to parse through like one on one matchups because you can bring up like if there was head to head or especially with these big twelve teams like we got beat pretty handily by Kansas and a lot of them picked up picked up wins against Kansas because Kansas had a weird slide mid-year and you know ended up winning the conference anyway well this is just like um, weird in general like and th- I think this is happening in college football too like the more conference games you add really the harder it is to compare these teams to one another and like w- you know the ACC moving to 20 other leagues like could follow suit like to me it, it, it does make this much harder and, and it, it almost I wouldn't call it a fool's errand, but it's close to trying to compare these teams when, you know, two-thirds of the schedule end up being completely, like, that. The, there's no way you have more than one common opponent in there. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's like if you're trying to play, like, rock, paper, scissors against four people at once, and you're like, okay, well, no one knows what just happened. So, um, because, like, there's just so many common, like, it's, A, like, just doing common opponent stuff is, like, nice for a bit, but at least in college football, like, there's more of a differentiation between like the top tier teams and the others and, and having the smaller tournament makes it a little easier to parse through. Obviously you're, you get down to like one or two teams at the end that you're, that are battling out for the last seed. But here, like when you have 
you know, 10 teams going for the last four bids or whatever, and you're com- trying to compare all this, like, ridiculous stuff, um, it's, it's, it's a tough task. I mean, I'm not, I'm not super envious of what the, uh, what the committee has to do. Um, I think what a lot of, what, what, what a lot of these teams have that I, I just keep on going back to, like, if we had picked up one win against a Duke, a UNC, a Virginia, I would feel so much better and not that the Clemson win and the Miami win, um, especially uh, on the road, um, and uh, the Louisville win, which is, I mean, looks worse than it did at the time, but it's still against another, like, you know, tournament S Top 50. You know, S team. Top 50 team on the road. It's good enough. Right. Those are nice, and Vatech, too, is a nice win. I just wish we had gotten, like, one of those big ones. Um, because, like, when your best wins are against clubs that are Miami, like, they're ranked teams or top, like, 15 to 20 teams, but they're just not, like, there isn't something that jumps off the page. It's actually, like, the opposite problem from what we had um, last year, where uh, last year we knocked off Duke, I believe, right? Uh, knocked off Duke and Florida State and Virginia, but all at home. Right. And then we we, had, we didn't do anything on the road, and then we faltered a lot more um, in, like, the middling games. Obviously, we had a little bit of that this year, Um but overall, and, and you know, if we beat Georgia Tech or we beat, you know, we talked about it before, like there were a number of games that we could have picked up. But overall, I think we, we, we held serve more often this year. We just didn't get those big, the, the big splashy win that everyone remembers from the year. Last year we had those. We just had a lot of, like, even more just dumb losses that you should have avoided. And, and on the road, there was nothing. Like, it was just such a struggle. It, I think, what did we have total, like, two road wins last year? I think, yeah, I think um, last year we had two road wins. It was the NC State game and the Clemson game, both of which came down to the final shot. Right. This year we had Miami on the road, Louisville was on the road. Uh, obviously Pitt was garbage, but it's still, you know, on a road win. George, sure Georgetown was on the road. So, like, there was just more this year in terms of, like, that kind of stuff, which which piles on. So, yeah, I wish, you know, if you, if you could combine – if you could like steal a Duke win from last year and put it on this one and trade them uh, the uh, the win at uh, at Georgetown, you know maybe we would have made the tournament both years. But unfortunately, it just seems like we're we're, we're plugging holes and, and opening up new ones uh, in these last couple seasons uh, when we've been on the bubble. And really, it's only been it's only been uh, the last three because I, I saw people last night been like, oh, it's been the last like however many years. Um, we were not eligible for the tournament one year, so we were not in the bubble. Like we, we had no, there was no drama that day. Right. <laughs> um, and honestly, that team, not to rehash old, old bubble stuff or old, you know, would have been bubble stuff, but like, we don't know what that team would have ended up doing. Cause if they had been able to play in the ACC tournament, like that team had some decent wins, had a, a star turn from our team Christmas. So we don't know that team could have played itself into the tournament too. So, um, but yeah, like it, it feels like it's been a while now, uh, even with the final four run in the middle there. But, um, I mean, this has really been like a three year stretch of bubbleness, And, you know, we just went through this last deck, uh, in the, in the two thousands and we came out on the other end and had one of our best stretches ever. So overall, um, I, I don't know if, if you've gotten this far yet, uh, and it might just be the fact that I'm resigned to not making the tournament. But, uh, after I got over the loss, I like started thinking about next year's team and I got like pretty bullish just, Thinking about like the potential depth and uh, how many more players at you know key positions of need we'll have, and how much it, how many experienced guys we'll have. So um, even if this year you know is you know going to be an NIT bid uh, come Sunday, which no one's excited about CNIT, um, but even if that's the case, like I'm already very excited for the 2018-2019 season because I think 
I think that's really when we start to get back uh, to the the pre-sanction um, Syracuse that we that we had for the better part of a decade. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, like, and I'm, I'm addressing this in, in an article tonight, kind of the narrative ball that we've been playing against for much of, and I feel like it, it was really coming in hot um, during during these last few days in Brooklyn. There are a lot of ACC folks, and it's not to begrudge them, I don't blame them, but, you know, just like we're not, you know, on the ground seeing everything that happens to the Carolina teams, they're not seeing everything that happens to Syracuse team up in New York, and they don't necessarily care, unfortunately. Uh, I thought there was a lot of mouthiness from, you know, the, some of the media down there and like a bunch of the fans obviously just getting a little too you know full of themselves I mean said no the last four years haven't really been that easy but like and, and I know you've pointed this out several places trying to trying to draw the line between that struggle and and the switch to the ACC is is revisionist history um, and, and not something I would uh, I would endorse um, and again I'll, I'll be addressing that in an article tonight which we'll post on friday but uh yeah I, I think next year i mean i would love to make the tournament even if we get lost in the first round and we probably would if only because i'd like to see these young players get a taste of the tournament and want more and and get that experience playing in in that sort of environment oh yeah making the tournament would be huge and i would be thrilled even again like like you said even if we were to lose in the first round i think just this team getting back to the tournament getting a sense of what prep for like for that is like because we don't have um i mean howard was on a tournament team but like they they're That's just really it <laughs> is, is that it yeah i think he's the only one i, I don't know if was chukru in a tournament team in providence uh no i don't think so or if he um, was he didn't really didn't play right yeah so like either way like this this team i think one of the benefits of this year is is looking at what the rotation will be like next year a lot of guys who probably weren't going to factor in um, as big role players uh, or getting big minutes this year got thrust into bigger roles than they probably should have had on a good team or a, a better team. But next year, like assuming that assuming Tyus Battle is the only one who ends up leaving, and you know he could stay, I, I don't expect it. But the the most likely scenario seems to be that Battle leaves and everyone else is back, assuming we don't have like a weird Torian Thompson situation. Like, you enter next year with a senior, Frank Howard, who, despite what the person sitting behind me at the Barclays Center last night <laughs> wanted to tell me, literally, this person, for two and a half hours, told told everyone who would listen to him, uh, including his two UNC fan friends that he was with, um, that Frank Howard was the worst player to ever play for Syracuse basketball, which just seemed seemed strange. Um, 15.2 also, points per game in the ACC, no big deal. Right. Also, Sean Williams played for Syracuse. Um <laughs> I almost brought... I just didn't... He was the worst. Anyway, not Sean. Sean, I'm sure, was a great, upstanding individual. He wasn't very good at basketball. This kid was the worst. Um, but, no, Frank will be back as a senior. Um, I don't think it's a stretch to think, you know, he'll add, you know, what's he adds three points per game and an, another assist, and you're looking at probably an all-ACC third, second team type year. Um, O'Shea Brissett quietly had an awesome game last night and knocked down threes uh, a lot, like, what five or six of them? Yeah. And if that becomes a big part of his game, he's probably going to turn the NBA after next year and will be a star. Uh, we have a five-star uh, Darius Baisley coming in, who could possibly be a one-and-done type player. Um, Dolajai, if he adds twenty pounds. Dolajai. I mean, even last night. Obviously, the Wake Forest game is the easiest thing to point to because he was unbelievable and played a game that no one thought he would have. 
But even last night, like you kind of saw the remnants of the Wake Forest team. It was in its much tougher competition with much more uh, inside like power to deal with because UNC has some solid forwards. But Dolzhai was very active. He was looking to attack the basket when he had to look. Um, he was he was great. Uh, again, obviously not a twenty point you know night, but you could kind of see that the the the, the lights were turn are turning on for him here at the end of the year. He could be a I don't expect him to be like you know a, a fifteen point. I know he probably won't even store double digits next year, but he looks like a guy who could be an offensive weapon um, next year. Uh, Chukwu, who I think heading into the year we said you know if we get twenty minutes a game from him, that'd be awesome. Um, and obviously he's very frustrating and doesn't hold on to the ball and, and other things. But he ended up, I'm, I'm pulling up the stats now, he ended up playing almost 27 minutes a game. Um, he's shown some some abilities uh, offensively here and there, uh, at least finishing a little bit better. Um, he's rebounded better over the course of the year. He blocked shots, which he should. Um, there's something there. Uh, I think if... if Barama uh, Sadebe gets healthy, like we've seen spurts from him. So like, there's a lot of guys who who gained a lot of experience. And then you add in Baisley, you add in Jalen Carey, you add in Elijah Hughes. Um, I don't know what kind of role Buddy Beheim will have right away, but you know he'll yeah, be on like, the team. But you just have all these people like crowing about Syracuse's status as a power and all this other crap. Like, I mean, it's not to say that we're going to go undefeated next year, but it's like at least if you're going to talk shit, look at the roster. And realize that you're talking about a roster that could, I mean, I, I think Battle's leaving too, but even if he does, like, if, imagine if he doesn't, you're talking about a roster that doesn't lose anybody. You're, you're going to bring back either six or seven guys, assuming no, without, you know, any potential transfers or anything. Um, if everyone comes back with Battle at seven, without six, six guys who play double-digit minutes per game this year, right. plus Howard Washington, who had, you know, was starting to develop more of a role before he got hurt. Um, and then a five-star freshman, a four-star freshman, and the coach's son. And I don't know, Buddy Beheim could redshirt. But either way, you know, he's on the team. He's a kid who was getting looks from, like, Gonzaga before, you know, he, his recruitment basically shut itself down because everyone knew he was coming to Syracuse. Right. Um, but that's, that's you know, at least nine players who should be getting playing time. And that, we know that Beheim doesn't really do nine-man rotations. But um, – you're even in a, in a spot where even if a guy decides to leave, like it's not going to be an emergency like it was this year with Thompson leaving and all of a sudden a couple injuries and you're playing, you know, we ended the year with what? One, I think I think O'Shea Brissett was maybe the only completely healthy player playing for Syracuse for a lot of the end of the season. Um, battle got banged up. Howard wore uh, that wrap on his wrist for half the year. Neither of the big men were, were super healthy. I guess Dolezal was probably mostly healthy, even though he took falls every game that made him look like he might never play again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you had maybe two guys who were playing around, like, 100% down the stretch. Next year, you know, you're going to have six or seven guys with experience, two big-time freshmen, maybe three if, if Beheim plays. Like, it's just going to be a much different look team, and we're finally going to have... I think next year is the, is the first year, barring anything crazy, that we'll have, like... The, the normal amount of depth that you look for for a competitive team, and I I think it should be a really good one. I, I would not be surprised if this team bounces back and, and wins like 25, 26 games next year, uh, assuming things stay the way that we expect them to be heading into the season. I'm with you, man. Um, all right, so we're going to do a little bit of an abbreviated show today. I uh, wanted to run down kind of the rest of the bubble teams I had on my radar. Um, two other teams that I'll just mention, and then we'll get to that. Um I think Arizona State and Oklahoma. I think Arizona State, despite having two really nice wins, I think they're out 
I think Oklahoma's in. Do you agree? Uh, it's tough. They're very similar because they both started red hot and they've both faltered down the stretch. I think it, it all matters. Like I know that her, the for a couple of years now, it, it seems like the tournament has, or I think they've actually just come out and said that they're yeah. not doing like the 10 most recent games. And maybe that's the case. But other things make it seem like they're still like weighing, if not uh, super heavily, like there's still some factor in terms of like how you are playing at the moment. Totally. And if that's the case, um, those two teams are have very flimsy cases because they, neither one's playing good basketball, and it's not like a, a brief like sputtering; it's an extended stretch. So at least Oklahoma's uh, losing to good teams. That's the thing. Yeah, Arizona State like just does not look like a tournament team. They haven't looked like a tournament team in a while. Oklahoma. You can excuse them more because they are losing to other tournament teams, assuming the Big 12 isn't just a total house of cards. Right. Um, As it has been the last, like, five years. Yeah, and Oklahoma, like, I mean, they really looked apart earlier in the year. So you, you could, I, I don't know, I, I more buy in on Oklahoma being able to turn it back on than Arizona State, which was a nice story in the year, but... Um, it, it was, I don't know, it didn't seem as, like, it, it seemed more flimsy at the time, even. Like, it was cool, but it, you couldn't really point to why it was happening versus Oklahoma, where you could point to exactly why it was happening, because Trey Young's unbelievable. Um, obviously, Oklahoma struggled to adjust after defenses have kind of figured out how to deal with Trey Young. Um, Arizona State just seems like it, it kind of ran out of whatever juice it had earlier in the year. Yeah, I... I think with Oklahoma, yeah, you can point to Trey Young and you can point to teams honing in on him. With ASU, I think it's a little bit tougher. Um, nonetheless, I, I still think I think Oklahoma's probably in barely, and I, I like I think they actually end up in a first four game, and then I think ASU's out. Um, if I had to bet on it, but uh, instead, moving down to kind of the last six teams that I, we should probably discuss, um, Marquette, uh, I think they are definitively out. Um, especially after losing to Villanova today. Um, I think Notre Dame, there's going to be some conversation around them. I think that's all bullshit. And I think that um, I think ESPN manufactured that nonsense um, as a talking point during the ACC tournament. But um, as, as I've said, numerous other people have said too, like, yes, they played reasonably well without Bonzi Colson. Um, yes, they've been able to, to play well since he's been back. However... Like, if you're going to consider him, you're going to consider this team when he was back, you also have to consider this team when he was there to begin with, and that includes losses to Ball State and Indiana. Yeah, I think that's the part that people are missing or forgetting. I honestly, like, forgot, forgot it for a bit there, too. Like, Notre Dame was not playing well when he got hurt. Now, they might have bounced back and won, like, 24 games and finished top, you know, five or six in the ACC. Um that very well could have happened, and, and I, a lot of people, myself included, were very bullish on Notre Dame heading into the you year. You can't play hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you really you can't when it's that that much. Like, you know, when uh, I mean, we we've kind of had a sim not a similar situation. We've had a, a injury uh, adjacent situation with the Anawaku injury, but we were to make the tournament anyway, and he only missed you know, half of one game before the tournament, and they didn't really know when he would come back. Like, obviously Notre Dame has their guys back, but it wasn't like they were, I mean, I think they would be a solid tournament team if those guys didn't get hurt, but it wasn't, like, so obvious. Like, they weren't, like, you know, number six in the country, and then they lost those guys and sputtered. Like, there was already, there were already cracks in, in what it was, and they just didn't do enough um, afterwards 
if they had won today, I think they would probably definitively be in. Oh yeah. Um, but then Duke blew them out. So Duke blew them out, um, and admittedly, like they did barely get by Pitt, and like really got lucky against Virginia Tech. Not to disparage the wins, but to say like, what did they really do in the ACC tournament that like suddenly changed everybody's mind? They got a nice win over a tournament team. They they sweeped it out against uh, Kevin Stallings in and his, his emotional last game as pit head coach. Um, enjoy the, 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 the yacht that you're going to go buy now with your $9 million buyout, Kevin. The stupid 10-seed um, thing, though. Like, yeah. It's exactly what we've been talking about for weeks. Like, you want the 10-seed... I said this on Twitter last night. The 10-seed is probably the best seed you can have in that entire thing outside of the four uh, four double buys. And the four double buys are only great because you are, I mean, if you're getting a double buy in the ACC tournament, there is almost no chance that you're not already locked and loaded for the NCAAs. And you're probably a top, like, six seed. So yeah. the worst-case scenario is you lose, and it's not a huge deal. It probably doesn't even affect your seed line very much. Um, if you're, like, floating in the middle there, though, like we were... You run the risk of UNC losing a triple tiebreaker, even though they're almost definitely the third best team in the conference, and falling to the sixth line and getting them instead of a Louisville team who we handled pretty well on the road earlier this year. I would have felt great about. I mean, I know we we the argument was, do you want UNC because you because you win you know, if in. you win you're in, and I think that would have been the case, or do you want to to get another you know a better chance at a less a less flashy win. I don't know. Do you think if we had gotten Louisville and we had beaten them and then we had lost to, uh, I guess it would have been UNC in the next spot. Um, yeah, it would because North Carolina is the sits and they're playing Miami now. No, UNC would be the four. So it would be Miami. So do you, do you think if we would have beaten Louisville and then lost to Miami tonight, would we be in? I think yes, just because it would have been a double win since it would have been um, a a second win over Louisville, and, and I think and it would have not and it would have not like I don't know if Virginia beating Virginia Tech would have done the same thing, even though Virginia Tech's technically a better team. Yeah, I mean, I guess knocking Louisville from the the competition would also help. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on the ten. Like the ten versus the eleven was a, a massive difference this year. And if we just like, if we just hustled a little bit on that last play against Notre Dame, it, it could have been us. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, uh, Frank! What, what a what a sport! Oh yeah. Anyway, uh, the last few teams here before we go. Um, so I think Middle Tennessee is out after losing to Southern Miss today. That was kind of one of the big shockers of uh, of championship week so far. Um, bid stealing doesn't happen as often anymore. I've made my point on the internet that championship week is a joke, um, and that the smaller con- the smaller conferences should get rid of it because it doesn't hurt- help them in any way. Uh, that's just me. Um, I see Baylor is losing, currently losing by a lot to West Virginia. I don't. I think Baylor needs this win. I think they're going to be sweating it out. Um, I think our resume is better than Baylor's. But their computer numbers are better than ours. But I think the overall resume nod goes to us. Um, I don't think US, I don't think USC's done anything since New Mexico State is one of their like two best wins. Um, and then Utah. Did Utah play yet tonight? Um, no, see, I, Utah I, has not played yet. 
Um, I think if you tell play in a half an hour or twenty minutes, if Utah loses to Oregon tonight, that actually hurts USC. Even if they hold on to beat Oregon State, which they're probably going to. Uh, no, they already did hold on to beat Oregon State. Um, because Utah is right now 49th in RPI, and they make up two of USC's four top 50 wins. So all Utah has to do is lose the Ducks, and USC gets knocked down to two, despite finishing 12-6 and six in the Pac-12. Fun. I'm looking at Baylor now, and like honestly, I'm pretty sure Kansas just like just gave everybody wins they really did i feel like kansas lost to everyone in their league this year and and yet they still finished first place i don't like kansas had not have 12 like nine big 12 losses this year because it really i feel like i've let every big 12 resume i've looked at they have a loss they didn't didn't lose any of the good team like they they beat texas tech and they like beat tcu like they didn't lose to those teams I want I want like an investigation into Big Twelve insider trading here because Kansas, this is like this is ridiculous. Every time I look at any of these goddamn yeah. middling Big Twelve teams, they all beat Kansas. Kansas finished with five conference losses, and I'm I don't even know how it's not more. Dude, I've been staring at these stupid RPI. They did lose Texas Tech. Texas Tech did too. <laughs> yeah, I, I in my Tech, in my head I've counted seven at least. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and then Oklahoma State again. Didn't Kansas State beat them? No. No. K-State, like, never beats them. That, that's true. Um, West Virginia, of all teams, didn't beat them. Which is weird. I actually really like... I mean, I know I picked them last week. I like West Virginia as Final Four team. I, I like them on paper, and I'm just afraid of them because I feel like they... I mean, since the team that made the... Uh, that one that beat Kentucky in the Dome, like, yeah. I feel like they, they, they tend to... They sneakily disappoint in the tournament. Now, they're not usually seated that high... But I feel like they're always like a trendy four or five seed, and they they always flame out in the Sweet Sixteen. Which is weird because I really love the Press Virginia thing. It's just it's a fun brand of basketball. Yeah, it's it's unique. Um, they always have interesting players. Uh, I'm gonna be tempted to take them down. I mean, it depends on matchups. I just don't think that many teams in college basketball are this year. I was talking about it with some coworkers today, and like I know that we that that picking Virginia in the tournament scary, but like I yeah. honestly don't feel. Like there's many Good teams about, that can challenge them or or Villanova. Yeah, like and even Villanova, like they had they did not exactly end the season on fire. Like I I I'm I think it's that like part of me just feels like Duke is gonna end up catching like they they look really good right now. Like that it's it's like the annoying, boring answer, but like Yeah, I buy it. We'll we'll see what happens with them and it's Virginia, um in the ACC, but... I mean, yeah, like, I want to see in that game because that's going to tell me if Duke can actually play defense. Yeah, because the, the, uh, the, dumb, the dumb Virginia doesn't play offense narrative continues to prevail. I think I saw it on PTI today where people were concerned about Virginia's offense. I'm like, oh, the, the offense that is efficient every single year? The most efficient offense. But yeah, the, if, Duke zone, if Duke zone is really, you know, and, and again, the, the much lauded Duke zone while we... While we continue to drag Syracuse for running it, um, if Duke can play, if Duke can play a top fifty defense, I I have no problem putting them in the Final Four. Yeah, I mean the defense they played as of late has been very good, and even like I don't know, but just this seems like the year I'm going to end up picking Virginia to win it all, and and they're going to lose in the second round because because I'm never allowed to win brackets again. Um, but overall, like, I just don't feel great about a lot of other teams in college basketball. It just seems like a lot of parity. Which I'm for. It should be a crazy tournament. But 
it's like there's just no one no one has I feel like there are just four or five like teams that have awesome talent that just have not lived up to their expectations and they're all gonna end up being like top two seed lines because that's just across the board now I I have to agree anyway um cool so verdict here is um Syracuse might make the tournament actually talking through this I feel better but that also might be my own bias talking through these teams and like not really seeing much to be impressed by. Yeah, I, I'm doing the same thing. I feel like we're trapping ourselves emotionally. <laughs> and I, I'm, again, I'm sticking by. I don't think Syracuse taking the tournament, and That's I good. hope I'm wrong. I, I am, I am not allowing myself to be moved by any of this. That being said, like all the teams we talked about, only like I, I couldn't tell you one that uh, that looks definitively better, but I'm sure if we were Baylor fans, good lord, I don't know why that's the first thing that popped in my head, but it is. Um, if we were Baylor fans, um, I'm sure we'd be looking at Syracuse's resume and be like, oh, who, like, who cares about any of this? They didn't do anything. So, yeah, it's all, they all seem pretty similar and I don't know how we're parsing through them. I'm sure it's all going to be like, I'm sure when you're actually in the room, it's just kind of nonsense and they all just kind of succumb to deciding to pick one team over the other, even though the evidence is not all that great. But uh, we'll find out. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to keep myself as flat and and un, uh, unexcited about our prospects as, as possible until the moment actually comes. Well, at least we're, they're going to rip the Band-Aid off pretty quickly, the way they're doing it this year. Yeah, which is dumb. I don't know why they're doing that. It's really but. stupid, but but at the same time... Yeah, because like, any fan, that is just going to tune... Like, any... Any fan who's uninvested might tune out, and any fan invested to find out if their team makes it is also going to tune out. Because if we find out Syracuse doesn't make it, I'm not really that like I'm still going to watch it because I write about sports. But like, like if you're if you're uninvested fan five who just like or just like Syracuse fan who's just like oh yeah let me see if they're on oh nope all right like f this screw you advertisers I, I I don't need selection Sunday like I can just go about my day since my team's not in. Yeah, all those people are going to tune out, and then when, you know, someone in their office tell, reminds them to fill out a bracket on Thursday morning, they'll then look at the bracket and fill it out wantonly. But, like, everyone else is going to be tuned in no matter what, so I don't know what they're gaining from it. Probably nothing. Um, cool. I mean, I get, the idea of a double reveal I get, but, like, I don't think it really works in practice. Yeah, I mean, if you make it, 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 it there's double content for us. But anyway. Yeah, yeah it'd probably be very fast. <laughs> Anyway, um, all right. Uh, Dan, appreciate you joining this uh, Express Edition for uh, pre-selection Sunday jitters, I guess. Yes, we will, we will reconvene next week and, and uh, see what, what the deal is with us. We will be playing in the NIT, the tournament we are definitely going to play in. Um, yeah, or we might have to change the episode if we end up in the first four. Who knows? Oh, God. I'm actually going to be out of town from like Thursday to Monday. So Yikes. We'll see. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll also be talking oh about beer next week for the people that, uh, that that are upset about missing beer talk this week. We will be we'll be back at it. I'll have plenty to share. Yeah, I had some Middle Ages and some Heffel. There you uh, go. Yeah, I was down in Atlanta, so I'll I'll be going into detail there. Um, cool. Anyway, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and go Orange. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. 
And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.